millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, Voice for the Persecuted. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome to the program. It's good to have you here on Vom Oz Radio. I'm delighted to have your company and I have a very special guest. Uh, this gentleman is one of our frontline workers in a persecuting and restricted country where uh, Voice of the Martyrs has been doing a fair bit of work. And I'd like to welcome to our program via Zoom our frontline worker, Truman. Truman, welcome to the program. Thank you, Etienne. Thank you very much for your time and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on the, on the program. Uh, look, you're, um, you're an interesting person. I, I, I know from your communication with you that you've got uh, very good control of the English language and that you have lived overseas previously. But I want to ask you about your own faith. How did you come to know the Lord? Well, uh, I thank God that um, I grew up in a Christian family. Uh, my grandparents uh, were, the, were Christians um, and then my parents. And so that's how I uh, grew up uh, in uh, the Christian faith. And um, yeah, I learned the Bible. I knew about God. Um, since I was very young. However, um, until about um, some 15 years ago, that's the time that I really met God personally and I experienced I, and, and I heard His calling for my life. Wow, so it was 15 years ago that you felt that God had placed a calling on you to be involved in frontline ministry to Correct. support work of God, the church of God here on earth. All right. Wonderful. And look, when did your association start with uh, Voice of the Martyrs? Um, well, uh, as far as I remember, um, I read uh, the book, A Torture for Christ, years ago, and I was deeply touched mm. about uh, you know, how Christians uh, suffer persecution for Jesus. Uh, and um, how did I end up becoming a frontline worker for VOM? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, uh, I was not uh, so keen to uh, join uh, VOM because uh, I felt you know, God calling me to become an evangelist or missionary, if you will. But uh, after a long prayer, uh, God used uh, Brother John Wilson and uh, especially uh, Tony Benjamin, uh, I met him in Vietnam here when he had a business in Vietnam. Yes. A few years ago. Uh, and they invited me to come to Australia to see the work there. And um, yeah, after that, uh, I think, you know, as a, an evangelist, I might be able to share the gospel with one person at a time, you know. But with the work that I'm doing now, I cannot only encourage our fellows to share the good news boldly in spite of uh, the persecution, but also I can help the persecuted Christians to 
stand firm for Christ. So that uh, great privilege for me. Well, that's wonderful. So you were thinking of evangelism one by one, and now the Lord has put you in a position where you can serve many, many Christians and support their right. line ministry as well, as, as well as your own. Well, praise God. That's right. Um, look, having been brought up in Vietnam, um, did you or your family at all experience uh, persecution yourselves or any of your relatives? Well, my uh, family experience about the persecution is uh, obviously it was um, my wife's grandfather. He was a pastor and a missionary uh, in the Highland area. Uh, after Vietnam War, he was uh, arrested. And since then, he we never heard about his information again. So he never returned home. That well, uh, so, happened uh, five years ago. Well, so okay. So your your grandfather uh, was a a missionary and, and and a pastor. So your wife's grandfather. And yeah. uh, when the war ended, obviously the communists took over the government. Um, because the, the whole fight was actually against the, the communist regime, wasn't it? Uh, they took over the government. And uh, your father, because your grandfather, because he was a missionary, uh, was, what, arrested by the government and then just disappeared? And uh, you haven't heard or seen from him since? No. And we've made inquiries to the government. Um, what have they said about that? Yes, we did. But they say, well, uh, during that time, you know, uh, um, they did not know uh, who persecuted him and you know they blamed one another so finally we could not hear anything uh, and they, there was no answer for us wow that's incredible so this happened sometime in the 70s 1970s when he disappeared uh, yeah, after 1975 wow Wow. Well, that must be difficult to live with, but I guess you accept that uh, the Lord ultimately is in control and one day everybody will have to stand before the judgment seat of, of Christ to give an sure. to yeah. God. Yeah, so even if people think they get away with things here on earth, ultimately there is a judgment scene and all of us will have to then give an account. We're here on earth, we seem to get away with it. Ultimately, <laughs> we don't get away with it. And every question that we have will be able to be answered then. But wow, that's, that's really a tough experience uh, for you. But um, look, what are the range of behaviors that are exhibited against Christians in Vietnam? I mean, that's obviously one of them. Kidnapping seems to be one of them. Uh, is that common? Uh, well, it used to be. Uh, people uh, were sent to jail because of the, their faith, because of uh, um, whatever reason. You know, uh, yes, uh, especially in the Highland area uh, about uh, some 10 years ago. You know, that uh, happened to uh, most persecutions. Uh, however, uh, nowadays, uh, the range of behaviors uh, against Christians in Vietnam uh, uh, is a change. It has been changed, uh, including uh, uh, Christians have been shunning away, treated with contempt, uh, isolated, uh, discriminated, harassed, uh, intimidated, mistreated attacked, beaten, uh, if they sent to jail, you know, they would be tortured. So that's, that's, uh, that's how, that's how uh, the persecution happened in Vietnam. Uh, furthermore, their houses are destroyed, you know, their lands are 
confiscated uh, and even uh, they themselves are forced to leave uh, their hometown or villages by their relatives or by local authorities. Of course, oh, I'm terrible. talking about unbelievable mm. relatives. Yeah. So what you're saying is um, there's less people being thrown in prison, but people are still beaten, uh, people are still tortured, uh, lands confiscated, uh, economic restrictions are placed on people so they cannot trade. Um, what about their ability to access education and those sorts of things? Well, um, on Christians' ID, they show themselves, you know, they are Christians. They, uh, subject, they are subject to be discriminated, you know, and even uh, poor Christian children, uh, especially in uh, rural areas, uh, when their parents uh, follow Christ. Um, and then even in school, you know, um, the teachers and even uh, their friends, you know, ridicule them and uh, uh, shun them. You know, they, they, I feel really sorry for them uh, because uh, they've been uh, discriminated badly, even uh, small children in school. Wow, that, that's incredible. Now, you mentioned something very interesting there that we don't have in Australia or New Zealand. That's an ID card. So does everybody in Vietnam have an ID card? And does that ID card also identify whether they are religious or not and also what that religion is? Correct. Yes. There's a, what's a religion on the back of the ID card of all the Vietnamese. Okay. And would every Christian have um, identified themselves as a Christian in the ID card? I mean, how does the government find that out? Uh, they, they can find it out uh, themselves. Or if Christians are volunteering to identify themselves as Christian, they can put on the ID card. Uh, when uh, this uh, the items say uh, religion. Ah, oh, okay. So uh, help help us understand this a little bit. Um, are there um, recognised Christian churches in Vietnam, and also are there underground churches in Vietnam? And also, if there's recognised churches, why is there the need for an underground church? Can you explain that to us a little bit, please? Well. The reason why people want to be recognized because uh, I feel like that's the way you know to do the ministry easier. But right. if you compromise, you know, if you accept the limitations that the government gives you, and then uh, your work would be okay. You, know, you don't get any persecution uh, hmm. uh, by the government because you just follow the rules. You just follow what they want you to do. Uh, however, uh, there's someone. Uh, they say no. I if I just um, accept the limitation that or restrictions that the government give to us, and we cannot do God's work. So they rather choose uh, the hard way. They rather not to register with the government. They rather go with the underground church uh, and uh, silently they do God's work. Uh, they, they understand that uh, they would be freer than. Uh, People who register, and because of the government would be totally in control because um, they know who you are and what you're doing. Right. Okay. Well, that's fascinating. So it is possible to be a Christian of sorts in Vietnam, 
and not be persecuted if you follow all the guidelines that the Communist Party imposes on you as a Christian and on the church. Uh, it's, it's possible. If oh. you're Christians, you, you are belong to uh, a recognized church and you do um, whatever you do um, according to their rules, you know, and then their permission, then you are safe. Okay. This is so, the, so there's no persecution. So the interesting thing is if you follow the rules of the Bible and you follow the commission that Christ has given us, would that contradict the rules of the Communist Party in regards to churches, religions, and Christians? Yes, uh, absolutely. You think about this way. Uh, they just only they just allow you to do the evangel the evangelistic program, you know, in church. They don't allow you to go out on the street to share the gospel with others. That's illegal. Okay, you see, that's a, you, can, you can only you can only preach in church, but you cannot talk to anybody on the street or hand out a tract or give someone a Bible outside of the church. That's illegal. Wow. Are there any other restrictions apart from that that the uh, the government imposes? Are there things that you can or can't preach in the church? Oh well, uh, certainly they uh, you cannot uh, preach. You know, something uh, you may think that uh, sensitive, like uh, you can imagine that uh, you can uh, preach the topic that uh, uh, it's better to obey God rather than man, you know. <laughs> okay, well, that's a good example. Yeah, it's better to obey God rather than man. They won't agree with that. Or that Jesus said that the gospel must go to the whole world. They won't agree with that either because you've got to keep the gospel within the four walls of the church building. All right. Uh -huh. Wow. Uh, whatever you need to, to do uh, according uh, to their restrictions and limitations. Mm, fascinating. You are listening to Vom Oz Radio, and my name is Stefan Clint, and I'm speaking to one of our frontline workers in Vietnam, Truman. Truman, so good to have you on the program. But let's just start talking about some of the current things that is affecting our dear fellow believers in Vietnam. And I'm going to talk specifically about COVID-19. Uh, what is the effect of the COVID-19 and the restrictions that have come with that being on Christians? Uh, due to the spread of uh, the coronavirus, like many other countries around the world, uh, Vietnam has also uh, called uh, for social distancing. And during this time, um, many people were having difficulties to find works to earn money for living, especially to those who are living in the highland or the remote areas. Uh, then the government uh, had a social aid program to help the poor families. But when it came to the poor Christian families, the local authority took advantage of uh, this to induce and or to force them to renounce their faith in order to receive the benefits of this uh, social assistance. And because um, they didn't follow what they want, uh, they weren't allowed to receive it, and uh, it made their lives even more difficult. Wow, okay, so they, they, they've, they're suffering for want. They don't have enough food. The government provides support for those who are suffering, for those who are poor and don't have any food, because a lot of people are living from hand to mouth. They work the fields. They produce their own produce. They trade a little bit from that, and that's how they live. 
Now, all of a sudden, they don't work anymore. There's a, if their food dries up, their means of trading dries up, and uh, neither they have want. So the government provides support. But the way it's being processed, the way it's been executed, is that if you're a Christian, they won't allow you to have this unless you deny your faith in Christ. Correct. Exactly. Can you um, tell us any examples? Are there any stories to sort of demonstrate this? Uh, recently, uh, there was a family, um, in fact, not only one family, but many families you know, in one particular province, they received no benefits from this uh, social assistance just because they're Christian. Wow, that's terrible. Now, um, what do people do in those instances, you know, if they... Um if they can't get any assistance, what, what's available to them? Nothing. <laughs> they, the, the only, the church, you know, the, whoever have uh, more than uh, they need and then they just help the others. And that's mm. exactly happening. And uh, in fact, uh, I have submitted uh, a project uh, to request or to send funds to help these families. And uh, I appreciate that. Uh, this project got approved already. So hopefully this uh, would be uh, a big help for them. Okay, so, uh, so we're working with Voice of the Martyrs, the church is trying to support them, and then Voice of the Martyrs also provides support and funding to make sure that these people are getting food at least or some aid to, uh, to provide for their needs through this difficult time. Well, wow. right. look, you were sharing with me some other stories as well where uh, people were trying to sell some of their produce, you know, and mm -hmm. government stopped them from, from trading, from selling their food so that they can uh, survive. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Well, uh, this poor family, uh, they had no way, uh, there's uh, no other means to leave. So because of... Uh, the government cut off their income, so they could not find money to buy food. So they had to find food for themselves. And unfortunately, uh, while uh, the husband and the wife and uh, the twelve-year-old boy uh, on the way to find, you know, uh, food to eat, and they picked the poisonous mushrooms, and without knowing that poisonous, and they ate them, and then. Unfortunately, they die. Wow. Both uh, parents and the boy. So now uh, they uh, have two young children left. One is nine years old, one six years old girl, the family, and one uh, older uh, daughter who is 17 years old, already got married and has uh, one year old. What are your son? Yeah, well, that's that's terrible. So uh, yeah, when you when we were talking about it earlier, they were trying to sell some cassava, which is like a root plant. It's sort of it's like taro, sort of part of the uh, the potato, sweet potato type family. They kind of a thing. And then the yes. authorities had stopped them. And the only way mm -hmm. on selling that is if they renounce their faith in Christ. And of course, the family reduced that. And then they were looking for food. They were trying to find cockles, I think. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they found these mushrooms and cooked up the mushrooms. Unfortunately, the mushrooms were poisonous, like you're saying. 
And yeah. uh, then after eating that, uh, three of them died, the mother, the father, the 12-year-old son, but there's, there's two others that have survived and they're often now and grandparents are looking after them. So now we just right. have a conversation with you to how we can provide support for these uh, the orphans as a result of this terrible tragedy. So there's a lot of sad stories like that that come out of Vietnam where in the West where we have freedom of religion, uh, it'll be hard for us to relate to that. But uh, what a tragic story. And I guess this is not too uncommon. I guess similar things like this will happen all the time in, in places like Vietnam. Mm. Um, look, what about people who, uh, who get sick, you know, uh, during regular times, you know, and they want to access health services uh, through the government? Is there any restrictions for Christians? Have you got any stories that can demonstrate uh, the challenges that Christians face with that? Again, it depends uh, where you are, which part uh, you live in the city, in the, the country. Uh, in the big city, you know, uh, they don't they don't pay much attention if you are Christian or not. But uh, in the rural areas under the local authority, they try to control. They try to eliminate. They try to stop the spread of Christianity. Okay, so, uh, it's spreading very fast in those rural areas. Correct, and also, also uh, uh, Christian and uh, frontline workers there, they work really hard, you know, to spread the gospel there. So <laughs> that's the reason why uh, the, the government uh, tried to uh, stop them. Right. Okay. So in the cities, it's not spreading as fast, but people uh, perhaps don't have the level of energy that's being presented by those frontline workers in those restricted rural areas where the gospel is spreading really fast, but also where it's more dangerous to spread the gospel. Exactly. Uh, hmm. exactly. Now just a little bit about um, Vietnam and the laws. You know, in the West, we have uh, constitutional laws that protect our religious uh, freedoms, our religious liberties. Are there any constitutional or law protections for, uh, for freedoms in Vietnam at all? Yes, uh, Vietnam has uh, constitutional laws that protect religious freedom too. Unfortunately, really? uh, mm -hmm. unfortunately, they just uh, simply to be used as a show because uh, there are also decrees, including many restrictions which the uh, local authorities would uh, use to dismiss, to fine, or to address anyone trying to share the gospel, uh, so-called like, illegally with others and or groups gathering for Bible study or worship God without permissions. So they have decrees at uh, their um, uh, local, so that uh, the local authority can use that. So there are local decrees that actually are uh, in a sense illegal because they contradict the Vietnamese constitution, which is supposed yes. to be religious freedom, but that is really what you're saying, it's only a front in practice, uh -huh. they don't actually adhere to constitutional law. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, that's, that's incredible. So, constitutionally, it's not illegal to be a Christian. Well, uh, constitutionally, uh, you are legal to be a Christian. You're fine. And you, are, you have freedom. Uh, you have religious freedom. You can have... Uh, whatever religions you want. Mm. But 
when they come to persecute you, they use the decrees. They they say, well, look, yes, you have religious freedom, but you have to register with the government. You are not allowed to gather, you know, uh, more than five, ten people without permissions. Okay. So So persecution can take on all kinds of facades under uh, propaganda. For example, they'll just say, we are not persecuting you. We are just arresting you because you are breaking the law. Uh, (laughs) But the law is unlawful because it contradicts the Constitution, which is the the basis for all other laws. Yes, I've seen that a lot, unfortunately, and it's really sad, but that's, that's the games that are being played. Yeah. Now, in Vietnam, are there any early warning signs uh, that precede persecution for Christians? Well, as long as the Communist Party still remains in power, the, group, the two Christians always need to be ready for persecution. There's no, no, uh, no sign. Right. No sign so for, uh, for that. So those living in the rural areas and the highlands and that, uh, they are continuously being persecuted. Um, is it possible to become complacent perhaps in the big cities where persecution is not as evident and people sometimes being surprised when they are confronted with persecution? Sorry, can you repeat that the question again? Yeah, sure. You know, so in the highlands, it's obviously evident that the people are ready for persecution all the time because it's... Uh, Persecution there is quite intense. In the cities, mm. cities, you know, maybe in the south, in uh, Ho Chi Minh City, where persecution is less obvious, is it possible that from time to time, uh, when persecution does come upon Christians there, that they are surprised by it because they didn't expect it, because there seems to be some level of freedom? Yeah, that's that, uh, possible. That's uh, possible, okay, but again, uh, when, when you come to uh, the persecution uh, issue, uh, you will uh, you will see uh, it's a uh, different views from uh, different Christians. Some Christians they are very very proud, they are very happy because they say there's no persecution uh, because I'm I'm fine, I'm I'm. Christian, I go to church, you know, I return home and everything is fine to me, you know. But unless uh, a Christian who lives for Christ and who wants to obey what God, what Jesus wants them to do, that's a different story. Okay. Look, we we understand uh, with Voice of the Martyrs that the whole reason why persecution actually exists is to actually shut down the witness of someone for Christ. And uh, governments and people who oppose it, individuals who oppose our witness for Christ will use all kinds of means. And we can be a Christian. We can go to church. We can you know, worship God there, go home and never share the gospel with anybody. And we can have a peaceful existence. But as soon as you accept that Christ has given you the commission to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, when you start doing that, that's when people start opposing you as a Christian. So it's no different in Vietnam than from what you're telling me. No. Are there any uh, current signs or things to be optimistic about persecution? Uh, are, there, are, there, are there changes taking place and we think, okay, well, persecution may stop very soon in Vietnam? I don't want to, uh, to sound uh, pessimistic, but uh, unless uh, 
Christians compromise. What I'm saying that uh, unless Christians just follow whatever the government asks them to do, and then there's no reason for optimism. Okay, so you're saying while there's uh, the communistic regime in power there, we can continuously expect persecution and that won't change because the idealism of communism versus the teachings of Christ are so diametrically opposed. Yes. Yes. Good. Well, look, uh, my special guest, uh, dear listener, has been Truman. He's a frontline worker for Voice of the Martyrs in Vietnam, and he's been sharing the circumstances that they work under and also how the conditions have been under the COVID-19 restrictions. But just in closing, um, Truman, what can Christians do while listening to the program to support persecuted Christians in Vietnam? Uh, please pray. Please pray for them. Please pray that God will strengthen our brothers and sisters' faith, as well as uh, to grant to his servants to continue to speak his word with our bonus, according to Acts chapter 4.29. So I... Uh, I would not uh, ask you to pray that God remove the persecution, mm. but I ask you to pray for God's strength in their faith and uh, to give God's servants the bonus to continue to preach the gospel, because that's the only way we can advance God's kingdom. Uh, and uh, most Christians uh, uh, in Vietnam, uh, actually those who are persecuted, they are living in the remote highland or rural areas. Uh, they are not only suffer persecution, but uh, also are often facing with uh, natural disasters. Uh, so many of them, majority of them are very poor. Uh, thus, uh, financial support would be a big help and a great encouragement for them uh, to let them know that uh, they are not forgotten. So right. that I uh, want Right. Uh, thank you so much for, for sharing with us. Thank you for giving us an insight into Vietnam and the life of Christians there, the, the difficulties they're facing, especially under the current conditions with the restrictions with uh, the coronavirus. But brother, we just pray that God would bless you. We thank you. It's interesting that normally the first thing that people ask who live in persecuted countries is to ask for prayer. And dear listener, we pray that you would also pray for our brothers and sisters in Vietnam who are suffering persecution for Christ's sake. And if you want to um, support them in any way, you're welcome to join us and look at our, um, our website, vom.com.au, and you can then uh, find a little bit more information there. There's also stories about Vietnam. You're welcome to download our, um, our phone app as well. You just go into Voice of the Martyrs Australia. And also, if you are on Facebook, find Voice of the Martyrs Australia on Facebook as well, where we have almost daily updates there of persecution stories from around the world and many from Vietnam as well. Thank you for joining us today, Truman. Thank you, dear listener, for joining us. We look forward to catching up with you next time. Until then, God bless. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia.
This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted.